You are listening to the Speak Podcast. The podcast featuring talks from Speak, a public speaking platform for people with ideas and stories. Produced by Launchpad 516 Studios. Welcome to the Speak Podcast, produced by Launchpad 516 Studios. New episodes available every week on all your favorite podcast platforms. Speak is a public speaking platform for people with ideas and stories. Each Speak Talk features three key moments. The moment of truth, the moment of transformation, and the moment of impact. We host pop-up events all over the world, and now we are bringing our talks to your device. Our speakers are stepping onto the stage and into the spotlight, and now onto this podcast. Welcome to the show. Welcome to another episode of the Speak Podcast. I'm your host for today, George Andriopoulos, the architect and one of the co-leaders here at Speak. Today's episode is a good one, folks, and the micro theme for our episode today is a moment of truth. As you all know, a Speak Talk is a six to 10 minute talk given in a storytelling format, and it's comprised of three unique identifying moments. The moment of truth, the moment of transformation, and the moment of impact. The published speakers today that we are featuring have a specific moment of truth in their talks that stands out so much. And in essence, their talks are about discovering a truth, whether it's a truth in their storytelling, a truth in their lives, or a truth in finding comfort doing what you love. So let's dive right in and get to it. Our first speaker today comes from our Speak Laughter event, which took place in August of 2023, and his name is Tom Kelly. In this humorous Speak Talk, comedian Tom Kelly recounts an incredible story from his days as a warm-up comic for The View that begs the question, are you being funny or are you being mean? This talk is extremely topical for what is going on in the comedy and entertainment world, and it really gets to the heart of the matter in a genuine and humorous way. Here's Tom Kelly with his Speak Talk, Funny or Mean. My name is Tom Kelly. I'm a stand-up comedian who has a podcast about fixing up my own life and owning my midlife crisis. But I'm known for my work as a TV warm-up comedian. I've worked at The View, America's Got Talent, $100,000 Pyramid, uh, Good Morning America, and uh, dozens of one-off TV shows and specials. Uh, for those of you who don't know, a warm-up comedian at a TV show is the entertainer who goes out and gets the crowd excited for whatever the real show is behind them that's going to air on network TV. Uh, the job is part party animal, part comedian, part bar mitzvah DJ, and part security guard. You have to get people in the mood for a show, and you gotta also convey the rules. Uh, you gotta get them to not chew gum. You gotta get them to sit in their seats. You gotta get them to put their cameras away, and you gotta get them to applaud at the right times. I'm good at it. You have to be uh, part security guard, part bar mitzvah DJ, and then you just got to use your tools. The tools are 
your good looks, your charm, and your humor. And for me, my best one out of three is humor. The date, January 15th. I'm doing a cable show that has long since been canceled and forgotten. There's a woman in the crowd who screams entitlement. When the crowd's supposed to stand, she's seated. When the phones are away, her phone's out. When she's supposed to be sitting in her seat, she's trying to get in with the celebrities. I ask her in so many charming and joking ways, please, ma'am, stay in your seat. She shoots me a look in front of the whole crowd. Now, she's wearing an orange Dukes of Hazard t-shirt, and the date is January 15th. I look at her and I say, hey lady, I am not taking attitude from a woman wearing a General Lee t-shirt on Martin Luther King's birthday. She goes along with the crowd, shows over, I think I'm cute, I think I'm funny, one of the producers rushes out of the control room and says, what did you say? Like, what do you mean? You just offended the network executive's friend. You should apologize. Now, if you know anything about comedians, comedians don't apologize for jokes. They don't. It's just one of the rules. And that joke was hilarious, okay? Duke's a hazard. The car is the General Lee. The General Lee, that's the orange 79 Charger with the Confederate flag on it. And January 15th, that is Martin Luther King's actual birthday. I really only know that because that's my cousin Judy's birthday, but still, for a white guy from Long Island, that is a well-crafted social justice joke. I am not going to apologize. Now, the name-dropping portion of my story. At this point in my career, I also work at a TV show, The View. It's moderated by a woman, Whoopi Goldberg, brilliant stand-up comedian, EGOT winner. That's an Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, and Tony. She tells jokes. She doesn't apologize. And I love her most for her character Guinan on Star Trek The Next Generation. And if you ever get a chance to work with her, for me, she was Guinan. Guinan was the character where Captain Picard would have a big problem and then suddenly the bartender from the ship would show up, give 10 seconds of wisdom, and your problems would be solved. I was lucky enough to have a few of those moments with her. I figure, Whoopi's a brilliant comedian. She doesn't apologize. I'm gonna tell her this story and I won't have to apologize when I go into my night job tonight. She listens and she says, Tom, you have to apologize. I'm like, what do you mean? Comedians don't apologize for jokes. And she says, Tom, you weren't telling that joke to be funny. You were just saying it to be mean. I'm like, what do you mean? You didn't tell the joke to be social justice, smart, and all that. 
You said it because she wasn't sitting in her chair. You were being mean. And that line stuck with me. I went into the night job. I apologized to the network executive, and my apology was accepted graciously and quickly. But that line, you're not being funny, you're being mean. I just thought about how that applies to everything I do in my life. My friends, my two best friends, the McGarrigal brothers, they always said there, whenever I was in a fight with someone, there would be the Tom Kelly exponential retaliation theory. You make fun of my haircut, I make fun of your mother who died of cancer. Not for real, but you get what I'm saying. <laughs> but that level of retaliation. And think about it, when you're with your friends, are you, are you being funny or are you putting them in their place? With your kids, your nieces, your nephews, are you being funny or are you just trying to keep them down just below you? Are you being funny? Are you being mean? And I think about that when I have that little thought that's being funny in the back of my head. I was just at a memorial service, and it was a showbiz memorial service, and there was a woman in the crowd who had screwed me on an important TV deal for me. And I looked at the woman, and I wanted to say, wow, Rachel, this would be a better memorial service if you were the one in the box. Now, I didn't say that because it wasn't funny. It's mean. I mean, I'm saying this here to all of you, and her name is really Rachel, but she's not a fan. She won't look me up. <laughs> but in all your interactions with the people you love and even the people you don't, and even on stage, are you being funny? Or are you just being mean? Now, most people aren't lucky enough to get a chance to work with Whoopi Goldberg and get that advice from someone who played Guinan and you get to pretend you're Captain Picard for just a minute. You guys are getting it from me. In your interactions, think about it. Are you being funny or are you being mean? Thank you. That was Tom Kelly with his incredible speak talk, Funny or Mean. Funny enough, I discovered Tom on Instagram as we were looking for our producer picks for that specific Speak Laughter event. I approached Tom. He was very personable, was willing to jump into a platform that he had never been a part of before. And learning how to work with stand-up comics at that Speak Laughter event was such a transformative experience for us. And I'm sure it was for them as well. And Tom was great to work with. He was great to collaborate with. And he was great on that stage. So thank you, Tom, for all that you brought to that event. Our next speaker comes from our Speak Neurodiversity event, which was co-produced by the Nicholas Center. That was such an incredible event. And it was so close to my heart. Published speaker Brooke Mellett gives an energetic and charismatic speak talk about her journey being a caretaker for her older, underdiagnosed neurodivergent brother, which led her on a path of supporting adults with autism throughout her entire career. Brooke was such a trip to work with, and I can't wait for you to hear this talk. So without any further ado, here's Brooke Mellett with Finding Comfort in Living Your Truth. 
Growing up in a Jewish home, I knew my home life was special due to how my brothers and I were raised. My parents really let me find my own path in life. And just like, you know, pushing the boundaries with my sense of fashion, my authentic sense of fashion, and going to sleepover camp from the age 13 to 30, <laughs> and really embracing my carefree, silly ways. Both of my parents have a great sense of humor. They sure do. <laughs> they both compete with each other daily, and who has the better jokes? This one is my favorite. So this Jewish man says that when he dies, he wants his ashes thrown all over Bloomingdale's because he knows that his wife will visit him at least once a week. So my life has always been full of joy. But my brother, on the other hand, he really struggled to find his way. My brother and I are practically twins. We are only a year and a half apart, and my, oh my, is he handsome. My friends all swooned over him. Looks-wise, he's a mix between John Travolta and Penn Badgley, you know, that actor from Gossip Girl and You. <sighs> I remember, oh gosh, when I was younger, okay, so Zach was being super loud, playing with his toys. And it was really late, and I was trying to go to sleep, so naturally, I was getting really annoyed. So I yelled from my bedroom, Ma, Zach's pachooing again. And that's the word that I used to describe Zach when he was stimming. You know, we grew up in the late 80s, early 90s. We didn't know much about intellectual disabilities the way that we do now. So that, to me, was just Zach, you know, my brother who played with toys in a different way than me. So Zach was in special education classes growing up, bullied, and had a hard time making long-lasting friendships. You know what they say, when you're very lucky if you have one great friend in life. And thankfully, that was me. You know, being his younger sister, you know, I felt like I had to be his protector in life when I really thought it should be the other way around, you know, because I'm his younger sister, he's my older brother. And, you know, I got mad, I got angry and frustrated plenty, but, you know, really growing up with him, I felt that he taught me at a young age to be empathetic and that all of our silly quirks, songs, sounds and sayings is what made our relationship very unique and special. He has the kindest heart and a very creative mind. I know that he led me on my path to working with people with special needs. So I decided to leave my job at Build-A-Bear Workshop after 10 years. I know, 10 years. I knew it was now or never to go back to school, get my degree in special education, and really dive deep into a field that I've already felt connected to. So that's what I did. I got my bachelor's degree at, from SUNY Westbury, and it was a dual major, so it's special education and general education, one through sixth grade. It was super cool that I got a dual major. And then my professors were incredible. They taught me so much about the field, and I learned so much about the services that people with disabilities can receive. 
I wish that my parents were educated the way that parents are now because who would have known what paths that could have taken if we knew. As my role in the Nicholas Center as a program director, my team and I coordinate vocational training, community inclusion, supported employment, learning and social development programs for 120 participants on the autism spectrum. Those programs allow autistic adults to live and learn in the community and work in the community too. I am also a live-in caregiver for three autistic adults. I support them on their journey for independent living. We call ourselves the Brooks Brothers, my second set of brothers. And we've been on this adventure together for four and a half years. Pretty, pretty long time for me, I think. So four and a half years, and I just think living with my boys really takes me back to why well, it's all started with Zach, you know, growing up with him. And, you know, I really feel that I've come full circle and this is really is my purpose in life. Looking back now, I realize that Zach never had, you know, the resources and that he needed, that he, he was never clinically diagnosed. So, of, like, you know, of any kind. So he really, so again, he never had the resources that he needed to really push him and give him that confidence to find his path. You know, I only wanted for my brother is for him to feel what I feel going through life. You know, I went into this professional field because of him. So, you know, I subconsciously think that I wanted to gather the tools and resources that I wish that he had growing up. And with the knowledge I have gained, I am so proud of the career that I've built and the people that I get to help on a daily basis. I also, I love to intertwine my family life with my purpose. So every Saturday night, Zach and my parents come over to my house to hang with my boys. And the happiness it brings me when Greg, one of my boys says, Zach, Miriam, and Kevin are coming over tonight. And then he begins to call them and call them until they pick up the phone and they say, yes, Greggy, we like to call him Greggy. Yes, Greggy, we are coming over tonight. The excitement on Greg's face, I'm telling you, is priceless. Uh, so my hope for Zach is that he feels fulfilled whatever he does in life, whatever path that may be, and that he finds the purpose that I found, you know, and that all his challenges and hardships in life have led to something great. Again, I really just want him to find that purpose in life that I feel like I found. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. It really is. So I guess at the heart of it all, I just want any person, neurotypical or neurodivergent, to feel comfort in living in their truth and to know that they can get the support that they need to live full, joyous lives. Thank you. That was Brooke Mellett with her Speak Talk, Finding Comfort in Living Your Truth. We had some outrageous incredible outtakes from that event. That event featured five incredible speakers and we did a live episode of the Speak Podcast live fireside chat style that we do. 
at that particular event. And Brooke's mom was in the audience and the back and forth between Brooke and her mom and Brooke just going on and on as she does was just, it gave so much personality to that specific event. And really there was so much heart and so much love at that event. And, and Brooke definitely was at the center of that as she is at the Nicholas Center, the incredible nonprofit that she works for. So thank you so much, Brooke, for being a part of that event and for everything that you brought to the event. Our final speaker for today's episode comes from our Speak Growth event, which took place on November 30th in Farmingdale, New York. And that was our one year anniversary event celebrating the one year anniversary of our first pop-up, which took place right next door to that venue. And that was Speak Beginnings back in November of 2022. In this Speak Talk, Jim Sabellico reflects on his journey from being a traditionally successful entrepreneur to realizing the hollowness of such success. It began with missing a significant moment in his child's life symbolized by a half-eaten birthday cake. This moment was a wake-up call leading him to redefine success beyond financial achievements to include presence, relationships, and personal happiness. Jim embarked on a path of self-improvement, focusing on being present in every aspect of life. The speech concludes with a powerful message. True success combines all facets of life, urging the audience to evaluate their own life's completeness. Here's Jim Sabellico with his speak talk, No Half Cakes. I want you to imagine a life where every symbol of success is at your fingertips. That was me. I started my first business at the age of eight. Uh, I was cutting grass around the neighborhood. As an eight-year-old kid in the 90s, with 200 bucks a week in your pocket, you were on top of the world. You could do whatever you want. And that feeling of success kept going. I did everything from car audio to sushi to pet products. You name it, I've done it. I had this Midas touch. Everything I did was successful. I had every toy, the bank account, the house, the blonde bombshell. I had it all. Until one day, October 29th, 2019, 8.45 PM. My son's sixth birthday. I got home 8.45 at night. I don't know what I was doing that was more important than being there. But let me tell you, 8.45 at night, I walk in the front door and I say, let's sing happy birthday. So my wife pulls out the cake and that's when I saw it. Right on the table in front of me, half of a birthday cake. So we sang happy birthday, I took a picture and that moment, that half of a birthday cake haunted me. I wrestled for weeks with every emotion you could think of. I was pissed at everybody but myself. I was pissed at my wife. How dare you for not waiting for me while I'm out providing for the family? I was pissed at my customers for giving me work to do. I was pissed at the world. I wrestled with, am I really successful if I'm not there for the, for the moments that actually matter in my own life? Am I any better for my family than a bank account if all I'm doing is providing money but I'm not doing anything else? 
What kind of man am I? What example am I setting for our kids? I was pissed at everybody. And I knew then that my definition of success was broken. I needed a new definition. I needed to figure out what success really was because everything that I worked so hard for that I thought was success for all those years, it didn't mean anything anymore. So I went on a journey. I found a mentor and I made a commitment. I made a commitment to getting better. I made a commitment to being a better husband, a better father, a better man. It's not easy as a man to admit you failed. But I realized the only way to be truly successful is to fail. I realized through working with that mentor that there was a better definition of success that wasn't Babe, Bank Account, and Bentley. It was impact over income. It was purpose over profit. It was relationships. That's what it was about. It was about building a life that was complete and being there to live it. I realized through working with that mentor, he showed me the definition of possibility. He showed me what was possible when you put God first. He showed me what was possible when you put relationships first and you lead with love and respect. He showed me what was possible when you take the time, talents, and treasures that God gave you and you give them to other people without worrying about what is it going to put in my pocket? How is it going to make me look in front of other people? Just over four years ago, I used to drive down Sunrise Highway from Patchogue to Farmingdale at 4 o'clock in the morning. And I would take a video of myself on the highway right out the front windshield. The road was dark, and I would be proud that I am the first one on the road and I would post on my Instagram and be like, man, how cool am I? I'm out here hustling and grinding before you guys. I'm the hardest worker in the room. And I realized something today. I left my house today at 4 o'clock p.m. And I drove that same path. Except today I wasn't driving in the dark. I was driving in the light. And I don't know if any of you guys caught the sunset tonight. But that's the guy was on fire. And I just want you to know that when you show up, when you give God something to work with, when you stop worrying about what are other people going to think, am I going to be judged, am I really successful, it doesn't matter. What matters is, Lord willing, when you get home tonight and you walk up to your front door, and you open that door, and you take a step inside your house. How much of that cake are you walking into? God bless. That was published speaker Jim Sabelgo with his incredible speak talk. 
no half cakes. I have a personal connection with Jim. He and I have been entrepreneurs in the same space, in the same community for many, many years. We were raised in the same community. And so as a producer pick for the Speak Growth event, I couldn't think of anyone better than Jim to invite as I watched this guy's incredible growth over the years, his evolution as a man, as a father, as a husband, as an entrepreneur. And I just thought his his message was so incredible. Consequently, Jim took that stage and he had written an incredible talk, but he, he kind of took it in a little bit of a different direction on that stage, which we don't necessarily always love because these are pre-written, pre-rehearsed talks that we put a lot of work into, but the direction that he went into was just so full of heart and so real that we couldn't just help but love where he landed at the end of that. And that was just filling the room with emotion and, and just realness and truth. And that's what this episode is about, the moment of truth. Thank you, Jim, for everything you brought to our stage at Speak Growth. That does it for this episode. Join us next week for another episode of the Speak Podcast as we focus on three more incredible talks. And we'll do that again and again, week after week after week. And we are so thankful that you join us every time. Thank you, guys. We'll see you next time. Speak Podcast is brought to you by Launchpad 516 Studios, executive produced by Fred P. Banning, Jason Martin, and George Andriopoulos. Our theme song, Champions Day, is by Lupus Nocti. Incidental music, Melting Places, is by Andreas Kantu. Music and sound effects licensed through Epidemic Sound. The Speak Podcast is hosted with Podbean. Make sure to subscribe to this feed wherever podcasts are available and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts while you're at it. Follow Speak at Speak underscore event on Twitter and at Speak event on all other social media platforms. Visit our website, speakevent.com, for upcoming events, channel partner, sponsorship, and Speak at Work opportunities. And follow all the great podcasts produced by Lunchpad 516 Studios.